0: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Borough purchase at borough.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash ACAST.
1: Um, Right, here we go.
0: This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know.
2: This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers.
3: diddly <laughs> ah.
1: this is dumby dum the show about the reality drummer that I answered an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. i I'm the smooth lowland whiskey who is Royfield Brown and with me are the nice glass of drampewe who is fill up a hall actually i quite prefer a bourbon as opposed to whiskey too much like harsh chemicals down my throat but anyway maybe that's because i spend so much time in america oh, and the last part of jazz's whiskey collection folks is you our lovely listeners mm. This weeks Dumb dumby from helen from rotherham accompanied on percussion by nathan ah mother and son in perfect musical harmony. On this week's episode, we hear views from Jane, Ambridge Pony Club, Carolyn, young Keith, Audrey, Anne Witherspoon, and Cheryl. You know what, our Philippa? Tell me, tell me now. I am utterly loving The Archers at the moment. I know. I don't
2: know if it's because we had to go through the monologues and we just, we're just so happy to be out of that. Or, or if it's just the fantastic stories and the characters, there were times this week I was rubbing my hands in glee. It was just superb.
1: I love the whole Alice storyline. Well, love is maybe the wrong word. I think it's meaty. I like the fact that we've had this massive setup from years ago. You know, us, the listeners, knowing that she had a, an alcohol problem, and there's a slow realization of how that's affecting other you know her other relationships with people etc cetera, etc cetera, all of that but the sense of dread <sighs> ominous dread that that storyline <laughs> wrought over the whole thing i'm glad it's receded into the background yeah. has it gone completely no but like there is dare i say a certain lightness that yeah. i am loving at the moment and also because that storyline was so encompassing, it didn't allow other storylines and other characters to breathe. And now we have a multiplicity of characters. Johnny's back. Johnny, I love me some Johnny. With his new car, he's very happy. Yes. Yes, indeedy. (laughs) So I think current pandemic put to one side, instead of us getting six episodes, we've got four. I actually think this is peak archers. The last Mm. few weeks, you know, it's Tony's 70th and Peggy. Peggy, Peggy,
2: Peggy! Oh dear! <laughs> I know, poor Tony. Um, and and that moment as well when the journalist Rebecca came upon Susan in the shop. That was my. That was the point. I really rubbed my hands in glee because it was. You just knew what was going to happen, and it was, it was glorious in its awfulness. And you know, poor Neil. Oh, I just hope the article does some good. Neil it's mm. not going to do any good we know this
1: I don't know whether it's just me and my working class sensibilities here right That the working class are the oppressed um the oppressed class in Ambridge but I said to myself or at least strictly strictly speaking Neil isn't working class now because he's a manager isn't he so mm. he's uh you know hmm. but still it was the in inverted commas, sophisticated and urbane snells that weren't duped, and it was the dragged up from um, from the swamps Carters. <laughs> that were dumb enough to fall for oh, these reporters. I don't you know.
2: I don't think it was about class. I just think it was about the sensationalism. And uh, Linda was, uh, you know, if it's not a review of her dramatic performance, she's not interested. And uh, she cottoned on so quickly, which was, again, was just glorious to hear. But, um, oh, Susan.
1: Oh. But, but I think I spotted somewhat of a flaw in this, because we're led to believe that Rebecca, the journalist, was just hanging around the village, wasn't she? Yes. Now, who is the number one conduit for gossip and news in the village? Susan. Susan would have known that she's already in the village asking questions. We, we were led to believe that Rebecca just turned up in the shop and Susan had no idea who she was. Bear in mind, take Susan Carter out of this. Ambridge is a small village. So everybody's going to know there's somebody new asking questions.
2: I don't know, because they're not able to mix. Well, we're assuming COVID's reached them enough that they're not able to mix freely. So Linda wouldn't be saying, oh, my goodness, you know, guess who to- Are you to seriously
1: telling me there isn't a, a village WhatsApp?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. Point. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't think there is. But do you know what's even more important? But, you know, Mm -hmm. the the overriding theme of this week was the frequency of the phrase chicken katsu, this katsu curry. Tom, whenever he wanted to placate Natasha, he would just offer this chicken katsu curry. I was just thinking, is this a whole new way of placating relationships? So if you've got a problem with your relationship, the first thing you need to do is offer them some katsu chicken curry I don't understand uh, if you phone relate for advice are they saying well that's fine but have you offered them a chicken katsu curry first of all no well you go and do that first and then come back
1: that uh, i know wagamama is hardly authentic japanese cuisine but circa what 1990 when the first wagamama opened up in london and i went there I had a chicken katsu curry and trust me <laughs> I would have done anything for anybody after having that dish. Oh, that's a glorious thing a katsu curry.
2: Well, maybe I'm saying it cuz I've never tried it, but
1: no, very I just, good.
2: Every time he offers that she needs to run.
1: Well, I suppose it's analogous to uh the the chile, chile, isn't it? It's uh, That's oh, what it is, right? Mm. But one of them, you know, is absolutely an aphrodisiac, and one of them is still a work in progress, so to speak. <laughs> mm. uh, but you know what, though, right? What? Uh, what? We should do caller inners but I think you need to remind people how they can be part of the show.
2: Oh, yes. If you would like to sing as a dum-de-dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203. 031 Leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send us a text message starting with DUM in capitals to 07786 200 690. Hello, Average3962.
1: First off, it's Jane.
3: Hi all dumpty dummers. Jane from West London calling. I nearly choked on my coffee this morning when I heard Peggy's happy birthday message to Tony. It was so awful, but predictable. It's enough to give anyone lifelong hang-ups. No wonder Tony's always sounds so put upon. And in turn, he has his part to play in bringing up a son like Tom. Where do we start with Tom? He has absolutely no communication skills. And even in my minimal 10 years of listening, I've had to enjoy his difficult relationships with Brenda, Kirsty, and now Natasha. (laughs) It's almost too much to bear. I hope Natasha wakes up, smells the coffee and gets the hell out of Dodge.
2: (laughs) Yes, Jane, brilliant. Um, Yeah, Peggy's message to Tony, that was was just awful, wasn't it? Um, And Tom's poor communication skills and Natasha needs to wake up, smell the coffee and escape. Yes, now I admit, I haven't really liked Natasha before, but the, the moment Tom said, I'm putting my foot down, and there was just this glorious pause, and then Natasha said, you're doing what? I just thought, <laughs> yes, finally, we've got a girl with some guts, and that's what that's what we need. Um, so, yes, I don't know what just wait Tom's a minute.
1: Doing. You didn't think that she had guts last week when – or was it the week before when she discovered that Tom was going to let Kirstie down and she went in Tom's place?
2: That's true. I guess that did sort of, it, it did melt me a bit to Natasha. Just a so bit. I was, I was melted before this week. I've warmed. It's a two stage process. You see, you need the thawing before the, before the, the warming so what, up. Are
1: you just, are you just a puddle on your lino right now then?
2: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 Yes, I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. But yes, I think Natasha, well, I think Natasha's great. I didn't like the way she just gave in when Tom was doing this ridiculous apology. But I'm hoping we'll see more of, of Natasha being strong. And and when Tom reported them to the police and then he said, oh, it wasn't the police. It was Harrison. Dear, oh, dear. He's he's just annoying me quite a lot. But I don't know. Royfield, what's your view on Natasha?
1: I'm loving Natasha, and she has come and been what we want—a mm-hmm. complicated three D character, literally from the off, um, as opposed to, let's say, Philip Moss. Philip Moss uh, was hanging around, I would say, like a slightly like a like a bad smell, like for years, <laughs> you know, you know, and we were to believe that Kirsty Eco, crusty Kirsty was really up for this guy and he went on the hunt but we didn't understand the reason for him whereas Natasha has roared into Ambridge she got her flash ways she's into her makeup right uh, debts galore and then with this complicated family backstory and yes. then she's outflanked Tom massively by being a great support for Kirsty you know she's rolled up her sleeve and says I will do the thing which you should be doing which is supporting a good yes. friend of yours who's yeah. going through a terrible time so and and how long she'd been in this thing 18 months I don't know but not long not long and but but she there's bits of her which we go crumbs that needs work love then there's other bits mm-hmm. of her we go oh love it you know you are you've got empathy etc etc so uh, I love me love me some Natasha
2: Oh, well, that's very good. I think we did all judge her when she first came in. And, oh, my goodness, she'd got I some didn't. debts, some credit card debts. And what did Tom think about that? But she's she's human. Like, just as you say, 3D, she's human. Yeah. Um, you can sort of believe her and she's not all one element. And mm. I, I do hope we see more of this assertiveness because Tom just needs to be told.
1: Mm. <laughs> I underthink things. At the best of times and people have said for years how dreadful Tom is and I remember Sausage Boy of the Noughts and you know him get doing his sausages for Underwoods and all that malarkey right Mm. and yes he was wrapped up with himself and with his business I think through all of this I'm just seeing utterly how dreadful he actually is (laughs) as a person and just the very fact that he was going to let Kirsty down, to be honest with you, yes. was just stunning. Mm-hmm. Not even like a call to say, I've fallen down a manhole cover, I can't make it, but can we postpone it all next week?
2: He just it, wasn't going to show. If it was just that he was concerned that Natasha wouldn't be happy with that, with their history, that might be something. But that wasn't what it was about. He had promised something, as you say, and just then mm. thought, oh, I'll tell you what, I won't bother.
1: Well, there was a part of that first off because he didn't want to tell Natasha because of how it would appear after he promised the curse that he would show up. But yes, but fundamentally, yes, he is. He's no good. He's utterly no good. And though on some level, I understand him going to Harrison on some level for no other reason than is what they're doing legal?
2: I think if when he'd been talking to Natasha, he'd have voiced that as his concern Mm. then that would be something but that's not what he was saying he was saying you know you're not going to be safe out there in the wilds of ambridge you know who knows what could happen mm. uh, and oh yeah i just thought he was very wrong but i love the fact that he did it because just to listen to it uh, as a as a Drama is just brilliant. Just adds more in, and you find yourself again, you know, shouting at the radio and uh, getting frustrated with the characters, and that just shows that we care about it and we're,
1: we're involved. Do you actually listen to the Archers on a Bakerlite radio?
2: At the moment, I am because, of course, we're on day three million billion of homeschooling, so life mm-hmm. is a little different at the moment. So yes, I do tend to listen to it on the radio normally uh when the kids are at school um then i would know i would listen to it as a podcast at, at different times but uh i'm mm. i like listening to the radio what about you
1: <laughs> well, in California, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> Radio are you, 4, are you you know, telling me, you don't, you set your alarm and wake up to it listen to it live. Less about not setting my alarm, my dear. It's that Radio 4's radio waves don't hit the west coast of the United States. Do you know what I mean? They've, they've got pretty powerful beacons, uh, the Radio 4, for broadcasting this stuff. They're not quite that powerful. So, no, I need to listen uh, via podcast means on my me phone but it just made me think when you says uh, listen on your radio i'd be really quite interested to see a breakdown as how many people actually still listen to the to the archers on a radio obviously because a lot of the listenership is going to skew older there's going to be a lot of people that do but mm. but it's got to be a rapidly declining percentage
2: I just have one radio in the kitchen. So if I'm there burning something, then I will have the radio on. And and that's why I tend to listen to the radio more at the moment. How many tea towels you got
1: got through (laughs) in the last week, Philippa? (laughs)
2: That didn't go well, honestly. I mean, the family were quite fearful when I said I was going to cook a meal from start to finish. And uh, thank goodness they, <laughs> they weren't in the room when I literally set fire to the tea towel. I've had to throw it away. Honestly, big hole. I, I now realise how quickly a fire can spread. That was just another, another occasion where I fail in the kitchen. Never mind.
1: <laughs> no worries. i tell you who's tipped up in the kitchen. Tell me ambridge pony club oh yes
4: greetings royfield and philippa it's ambridge pony club jennifer corley in ireland here just calling in in defense of tony that poor man this week we got to hear his 70th birthday video being put together first we had henry shaking his head like a little old man which i think basically translates as refusing to say anything and giving a v sign to his mother then Giddy Jack saying something cute, but patently being bribed by chocolate. And then his mother, weighing in saying what an absolute waste of space he was, that she never actually wanted him. And then when she got him, he was a total disappointment. Well, I'm sorry, that poor man. He He's worked hard all his life, he's put up with endless soup from his wife without complaint. He's got a very challenging set of children there who he's always been behind. He was the one that Saved, he visits with Rob Titchener and he deserves better. With Joy and her Madge, there's no justice in this world. Plot prediction, I'm hoping that Helen will inevitably get the house off Kirsty for buttons and then being Joy's neighbour, she'll call down Dad to do loads of babysitting and Joy can just pop in once the kids are in bed and hopefully Tony can finally have a bit of fun at last. After 70 years, the poor man deserves it. So hope you're all staying well out there and let's hope that the scriptwriters have forgotten about Alice and she never comes back and I will be very happy.
2: <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. Thank you ever so much. Oh, I, I love that. You know, what? what's poor Tony done? Worked hard, put up with a lot of soup. Brilliant.
1: And,
2: <laughs> and will Joy provide some, some fun for him? I mean, true. Although, I don't know, maybe he just wants to be left alone with his trains and his cars and, and not a lentil in sight. Maybe maybe he'd be happy enough with that. But uh, yes, have the scriptwriters forgotten about, about Alice? I wondered about that because we had Peggy being Miss Marple and working out what the the situation was with Alice, but we've we've not heard about that that since then. So there's a, a bit of a gap. What what do you think, Royfield? Gone but not forgotten?
1: Well, obviously she, she's she's not being forgotten. But as, as I said before, you know I'm glad that the you know that she's not casting her considerable shadow over proceedings, which is even more um, even more significant when you think. That for years she was the least remarked upon and involved Aldridge, wasn't she? Mm. You know, Lucy used to call her the astronuclear physicist wedding planner. <laughs> and she just was just a random adjunct to, to storylines, but she was never the plot driver. And the actor has done an amazing job. And so have the scriptwriters, you know, they've been cooking this thing up for years. Mm. But I'm just glad, I'm glad we can breathe. It comes to something when you say you can breathe because now the the main storyline is modern <laughs> slavery. <laughs> it shows you how all-encompassing, yeah. <laughs> you know, the summer was uh, with fetal alcohol syndrome oh. and uh, et al, really. But, and yeah. what
2: do you think? Do you think joy could provide some solace oh, for, stop for our it. Tony?
1: stop it. You get... Dynamic blandness from Yes. Cone. I know. I,
2: I have this vision that his whole wardrobe is beige. Yes, that. Yes, that's who he is.
1: I tell you. Have you seen the dig? That n- new Netflix movie.
2: Yes, I have indeed. Yes. How did it go with Film Club? Was it a oh, really good description?
1: It, it, it was, it was. Uh and what I'm going to do is I'm gonna put out on the Dum Dum feed uh this week the audio of Film Club. And before I forget, um it will be up on the YouTube. So if you type in Royfield into YouTube, you can actually see uh all the film club posse. So Jane, who we heard um one call before was, was on this. If you want to see what Jane looks like or maybe Jacqueline berto you can go onto YouTube and watch. But I really love Film Club. We do it once a month, pick a movie, then we talk about it for half an hour and it's strictly just half an hour. Uh, the only reason why I mention this is because Mr. Brown, played by Ralph Fiennes, yes. I think Tony's got a little bit more about him, but not that much. You know, yeah, Mr. Brown is rather solid dower got on just did his thing right and there's a touch of the tone is like i'm not a dynamic person but i'm just gonna get this done right type of thing and he kind of gave half a look at mrs pretty but there was but like nothing he would never Yes. Oh, and I that's know. Tony I, Archer.
2: I just felt Mr. Brown had a lot more to him than Tony. Really? And Mrs. Brown had a lot more to her, I thought. She was uh sort of a strong, capable woman. And yes, okay, Mr. Brown was um quite focused, shall we say, on what he on what he did, but I, I, I think he was even more animated than. Than Tony, because up until hearing this message that mm. Peggy was leaving for Tony, it hadn't really struck me how bland he is. He's that bland that he's just there in, in the background. But um, when Lillian was saying, Oh, I, I bet you're going to want marmalade for your birthday, he said in this little voice, I like marmalade. <laughs> oh, here we go.
1: I've been, I'm going to say I've been Peggy's biggest fan, but Peggy's got a lot of detractors in the uh, dum-de-dum community. I would say the vast majority of people are not Peggy fans. And I've always said, look, the woman's practically 100. I know that uh, Peggy's supposed to be a little bit younger than June Spencer. She's practically 100. She came from bomb-ravaged East London. You know, she's seen a lot. She had to bring up her kids by herself, etc. But even I am forced to admit that she's displayed a coldness that I would have thought, even if it's in your heart, she wouldn't have actually voiced.
2: But I just wonder why that's been put in the script. There has to be a reason. It can't just be a character enhancement for Peggy. Surely it's got to be something, it's going to open another door of information for us on, um, maybe what's happened in the past, or maybe Peg is going to be going through some changes. Um, you know, maybe she's not understood it correctly, and I don't know. It just seemed quite a character change because when she's very good at putting out the right image, even if that's not what she thinks, um, and she just failed significantly on that. So I, th- I think there's, I think there's, we're going to hear more that it can't just be that. Shortly,
1: mm. this is. Really, a, a call for Cosmo, but it was about ten years ago or so. And there's a storyline where Peggy re- revealed um, the contents of a will, and I remember Tony getting incredibly upset. Yes. So this is just a recurrent thing that he's been ignored, marginalised. Um, she's never, uh, she's never really appreciated him as a not only as a son but actually even as a farmer there was something about bridge farm being slightly overlooked but cosmo uh, need you to uh, yeah. stand up and, and do your thing here please and cosmo i
2: think to say that your child described them as being aimless and stubborn i mean she's the stubborn one i'd say of out of anybody and aimless mm. I, it just shows oh yeah
1: dear. it wasn't a good look but i tell you what Utterly confused me. How long does it take to record a little video message? Put it on Not your phone. Not long. Not long. Minutes. So, what is the problem here? So, they've said to all the family members, uh, "Can you do a little video?" <laughs> and uh, we're going to. and going to cut it together right now. At no point when Lillian took Tony out to to Underwoods, did she say, "Your seventieth birthday is tomorrow." Yeah. Yes. Or it, today's or 70th birthday. <laughs> so quite simply, what you do is you go, Nan, <laughs> I'm coming round. We're going to shoot this again. And I will tell you what to say.
2: End I, of. I,
4: I don't End
1: know. End of.
2: Was it that they recorded that for something completely differently in, in the script? Um, because they haven't been able to have the the actress in very much because of her location geographically. And so maybe they were just cutting and pasting. They couldn't actually get her to record anything at this time. So they just used Wait
1: a this. minute, you're, you're mixing up my realities here now. <laughs> are you on about... You, <laughs> uh,
2: I'm a, a, on about the actor, the actress in, in her location in Spain. Mm. So I don't know if she's able to record at the moment. So... Uh, did they just, you see, I'm grasping at straws. So I think it's fair to say, but the straw that I'm currently you really grasping are, at... <laughs> You really are. Because
1: it's making no sense. But what I'm saying is there's a fundamental flaw in the script, unless I'm missing something. But uh the last time I checked, Peggy lived in the village. Tom <laughs> lives in the village. Villages are pretty small places, right? You wouldn't expect a 100-year-old woman to have a smartphone and to be able to video herself. Fair enough, right? Yes. But so, what you do, you review the footage and, and you know, you recoil in horror and say, <laughs> not only has she misunderstood this, but actually the sentiments are quite mean. So you go, right how big is Ambridge? I don't know. Uh, it's maybe one mile, you know, in either direction. You get on your feet, you walk around there, you knock on the door and you say, Nan, I need to re-record this. You sit down, I'll make your cup of tea, right? This is what you need to say. This is be celebratory of my dad. Say nice things. Oh yeah, Tom, got it. Right, Nan, let's shoot this again. You walk out three minutes later. Job done.
2: Maybe Tom just needs to offer her a chicken katsu and that's the the thing what? to do to placate her to placate <gasps> her uh, no, to placate her and then I
1: suggest a, she, a re-record she, considering she's a woman of the blitz generation she'd probably say that chicken katsu is a little bit too spicy for her <laughs> but anyway moving swiftly on right now it's carolyn she's up in northwest wales don't you know
5: hello it's carolyn from anglesey here I really hope I don't sound too earnest this time. OK, my topic today is the content of the archers. It seems to me it veers from very hard hitting, slightly East Ender-ish stuff, if I dare call it that, you know, the modern day slavery scandal to the domestic abuse scandal. It goes from that to really silly, pantomime daft storylines like jill's flapjacks and jazza and tracy's relationship relationship if you can call it a relationship and the stolen bunting it goes from one daft extreme to another it seems to me and i wish sometimes that there'd be more middle of the range middle of the road storylines a meaty subject but not below the belt not sort of scandalous stuff Um, You know, maybe someone could come back from Australia and who traced their uh, ancestors to Ambridge. Maybe someone had an affair in the past, maybe Jack Archer and uh, their grandson or great grandsons come back to find his family. Something like that. Don't get me wrong. I love Brian and his witty remarks. I love his scenes with Jennifer. They're brilliant. I wish there were more of those. You know, I could listen to those two all day. But it's these unrealistic, daft, comic, pantomime moments I'm not keen on. Um, you know, just sort of more middle-of-the-range but interesting topics for storylines. That's it. OK, thank you. Bye.
2: Oh, fantastic, Carolyn. Thank you very much for that. Uh, what an interesting sort of concept. And I understand what you mean. I guess they've got to keep different parts of the audience happy, you know, what? one set of people come for the big fireworks and others just come for the, the comfort of the everyday life, the, the small things. I always think that when they're ramping up for a big story that it, it's because they need to get the audience figures up and, we, you know, we're going to be in for something dreadful. Personally, I like the the small things, the, the, the funny, the pantomimes, all of that. I find it quite
1: pardon. Co-
2: comforting. Yes, I like the pantomimes, thank you. I've been weirdo. in many pantomimes myself. I am an amdram, I'm not a weirdo, and uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, it's very sad because this is the first time in decades that we've not been able to put on a pantomime in February. So there we go. Anyway, Royfield, not what do you think about pantomimes, I don't want to ask that question. What do you think about the pattern of the storyline?
1: I think what Carolyn is really getting at is is the balance, isn't it? Hmm. You know, it's she says more middle of the range towards, I don't quite know what you mean. Jewel throwing flapjacks, trying to <laughs> defend a local business, etc. Uh, yeah, that was a little bit ridiculous, but. It was apt that it was a baked good because she does a lot of baking, you know. <laughs> so And we'll so never was...
2: forget it. We will never Exactly, exactly. Right. There was a
1: certain kind of narrative consistency yeah. um with, with Jill doing that. And also she's a little bit of um a social rebel, is Argio. Yeah. You know, she's she's always been anti the hunt, for example, etc. So it, it made narrative sense. Um I think that they've just about got the balance right right now. Yes, the slavery storyline is still with us. Mm. And I know for, for a lot of listeners, all the hand-wringing and self-flagellation that the villagers are doing is a little bit too much. But but it is slowly dissipating in terms of uh, the whole of the arches isn't being consumed by that storyline, which reminds me, talking about modern slavery. Did you read that article by Amelia Gentleman of The Guardian um, weekend before last?
2: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Are you going to get her on to talk?
1: I'm interviewing her back end of this week. Uh, So everybody, uh, she's coming on to the show. And um, she's going to be, so I'm going to be speaking to her with uh, the head honcho, of unseen so you should get wow. that in your podcast feeds if not end of this week or over the weekend early next week um she's utterly a delightful person just, just sent her an email and she fired me back an email straight away and says i'd love to come on to dumby dum uh, to talk about it unseen are really excited as well so we can have a nice little three-way chat uh, about the depiction of modern slavery within the Archers because the archer script scriptwriters did go to Unseen and take lots of direction from them as mm. to how the storyline could and should unfold. Yeah. So yeah. so it's going to be a, a fascinating conversation as well. Brilliant. So mm-hmm. if you're a dumdy dumber, we give you the goods. We absolutely <laughs> do. <laughs> Putting modern slavery to one side, I think you are right. Uh, Philippa, that there is a certain level of chasing ratings because you know if you're a script writer showrunner for the archers you want to make your mark and you want to make your mark in terms of introducing new memorable characters having your moment in the media sun mm. so to speak but then also there's a there's a grim reality to the archers and its listenership is that it does Tend to be older than let's say the the median average of the average Brit, which means that you've always got to be let's say once every five years, ten years, making some level of a splash so you can recruit new younger listeners because at the other end they're they're you know trotting off this mortal coil, so to speak
2: and that was one of my fears with the monologues as well as just being. Bored to death, basically, with them is that what would they have to do after that to get the the listenership back up to the the figures of before, and that they were they're going to have to be some pretty horrific stories brought in, as we're seeing, um, to create that sort of that basically a marketing opportunity to get more more listeners in.
1: Mm, mm. Yes, 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 you know there is the the narrative that uh, there's a, a narrative that you need to construct and then keep cohesive, but then there is um you know a wider kind of narrative around uh the marketing uh and the of of the archers and there are so many different considerations then there is this ego as I said it's a case of i you know I'm now uh, running the archers, I need to kill a main character or. I I need to put my mark, basically, on Ambridge uh, and let it go down in law. So, Carolyn, thank you for that. I've never been to Anglesey. Maybe I'll get there one day. And if I do, I'll come round and have a couple with you, my dear. Now it's young Keith, and he's got things he needs to clear up.
6: Hello, dumpty dum Young Keith here. First of all, I'd like to clear up rumours of me being some kind of, what was it, a security consultant? No, I am a humble primary school teacher um so sorry to disappoint on that matter um i would like to perhaps be some kind of private eye or something like that but i just don't have the credentials for it anyway so you got me thinking about sort of who are ambridge's top shaggers and who (laughs) could be into a threesome i totally agree freddie completely let himself down there what a prude as well it's just like live a little man what you like about 20 years old have some fun man anyway um but i was thinking that you missed the blatantly obvious fact that kate has probably been in more swingers parties and orgies than she's had quinoa meals and um (laughs) got me thinking about some other people what they might be getting up to i think tom and natasha would definitely sort of be into cucking um i don't think this is all getting a bit too strong for the dumpster community but I was thinking about who would be into dogging and potentially Roy back in the day um, and Russ, I think, would be a prime candidate for a bit of sploshing. If you're not sure what that is, give it a Google because it's worth knowing. Other than that, I think there could be more going on behind the closed-knit curtains of Ambridge than you lot are giving them credit for. Anyway, have a cracking week and I look forward to hearing what you've got in store. Been some great episodes lately.
2: Oh, young Keith, I actually have my head in my hands <laughs> just saying all of that. First of all, to clear up, wasn't it Monty who who's in cybersecurity, not not young Keith? That that's that's what I thought. Anyway, uh, young Keith, uh, very interesting. You say Fred is not the prude. Fred, well, Fred is a prude. Uh, Freddie isn't the prude. I'm the prude. This is way above my pay grade in terms of. <laughs> Of what's going on I am Princess Prude of Prudesville I think I don't know these terms I don't want to know these terms So Royfield What do you think? A primary Sorry. school teacher Is so, making so... me speechless
1: uh, I, I'm on Urban Dictionary right now Looking at sploshing
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't Give no explanation to, Just to leave fair, me out of
1: this To be fair Right It's not quite as rude As I thought it was <sighs> And it does take me back. It does take me back to the first. Um, I'm that old that I can remember when videos of uh, people in sexual congress were called blue videos. Right. I'm that old. Right. So it does take me back to the very first blue video I saw as a what 14 year old young impressionable boy. And they were splashing. Uh, and it, as I said, it's not quite as bad as you think. So, uh, yeah, urbandictionary.com. What a fantastic resource it is. What else did he talk about? He said, sorry, I, my mind's gone a blank. I'm, I'm sploshing right here. I'm sorry, reading about sploshing. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I um, don't, yes, Kate, yes. Kate. Obviously, yes, Kate would have been up to all sorts. That was a stunning um, omission uh, by Pete, Kerry and myself last week. I know this is a family show. Yeah. Right. It's a family show. And uh, you are um, a middle aged woman with a family. But I'm sure in your Brill skill fill days, you're a little bit wild, weren't you?
2: Uh, this is, as I say, this is, this is way beyond my a grade and I'm just, I'm just floundering like a, like a swan on ice. So I'm just, I'm just passing this back to you, Royfield. Uh You know, I think you, you need to be talking more on the on this podcast. So I just think it's only right. That I just what do you mean? All I've, I've done
1: for nigh on seven years is talk on this podcast. I think people are, Utterly fed up of hearing me. Uh, but I was very disappointed in Freddie. You know, it's a case no, of you No,
2: know, no, I was really proud of Freddie. See, no. There you go. That just, I felt good on you. Morals, that's what we like.
1: In my 52 years of being on this planet, it's not every day that somebody uh, says, do you want to be part of a threesome? Now, when you are married or when you are in a committed relationship, that is the time to turn these things down. If you are 20 and you've got, you know, testosterone racing about around your body and you have no responsibility to anybody, what you do is you inquire as to what exactly are the parameters, where will the said action take place. <laughs> you make sure that their relationship is robust enough to take said threesome, if they say, "Yeah, we've been doing this for quite some time. These are the rules," blah 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 blah. And if she kind of looks fanciable, and you sort out the rules with uh, with the other gentleman, cons- cons- you know, who's going to be there? Why not?
2: Why I had not? no idea like a questionnaire involved that had hey. to be provided at the beginning. No, this is.
1: Hey, uh... listen, listen. <laughs> Having a physical relationship with one person, which is what 99% of us do 99% of the time, is fraught with its own difficulties, definitely at the start. You know, do you have any little kinks? Yes, I do. What are they? Oh, no, that's too much for me. No, thank you. I'll move on. Or, oh, I've never tried that before. I'll give that a go. Or, you know, I'm vanilla. You're vanilla. Let's just be vanilla together. Whatever. Right. We all have these contracts, you know, some of them aren't explicit, but implicitly we all do. So if you can add another person into the mix, of course, you need to sit down before and you can't just roll in there and just say, well, hey, you know, let's just throw all knickers in the air because somebody could probably get hurt. And I don't mean physically, but I mean, emotionally, who's going to go first? Type of thing. Oh, wait on a minute. Aren't I good enough to go first? <laughs>
2: Please, can we <laughs> stop this? I want to be with Tony you know. in his garage looking at train sets. I can't go,
1: <laughs> Young Keith, I think you need to call in again, sir, because you're obviously a man, right? He's lived a little. And I think you need to um, just fess up and uh, just let us know exactly how much you have lived, sir. Because um, as I said, you know, you might be a primary teacher but you've got some form, sir. Anyway, moving on from Keith, let's go to North Carolina, to Raleigh, and it's audrey
7: Hello, this is audrey calling in from Raleigh, North Carolina. I am a long-time listener and a first-time caller-innerer. I'm also a member of the Flick Posse. I am an unemployed microbiologist who has recently reverted to my earlier career calling as a Pilates instructor. My vintage is Johnny, I'm calling to share my thoughts on Tom and Natasha. I've never found them convincing as a couple. I felt that he was quite smitten with her from the start, but I never really got the sense that she was as invested in him. So it felt like maybe she had less honorable intentions. They never had chemistry during the dating phase of their relationship, and she seems to have much higher and bougier standards than what Tom is capable of meeting. Then suddenly they married, then she left, which wasn't a surprise. However, her return was. And the fact that she was ready to repair and carry on their relationship, it just didn't add up much like her bank statements. Now she has become an unlikely ally to Kirsty. Her response to Tom trying to help Kirsty and subsequent participation in supporting and actually being there for Kirsty were very unexpected. She's always quick to forgive Tom. It must be the sausages. In any case, I am intrigued by the direction in which this character is moving, and I look forward to see what type of friendship blossoms between her and and Kirsty,
2: Oh, brilliant. Well, welcome, audrey First time caller in or Brilliant. And of course, yes, long time contributor to the, to the Flick app. Brilliant as well. Um, yes, that's so interesting how Natasha has changed. And, and I agree, when she first came on the scene, I just didn't believe in their relationship and what she stood for. I didn't get her. Um, but my blinkers have just been removed and just the last couple of weeks I've really seen her blossom and become, as we've said earlier, a, a real character that we can identify with. But yeah, it did annoy me how she she just totally gave in when Tom gave the weakest apology. But uh, Royfield, what do you think? Who is the treasure, Tom or Natasha?
1: Oh, it's utterly Natasha. But there's been a lot of talk on the socials about the fact that emotionally, generally it's the women in Ambridge who are the grown-ups and it's the men that have to do the growing up. And I just see, we see in this relationship, the script writers have given us a switcheroo, haven't they? So Natasha comes in, she's all brash and we're a bit like, ooh, you know? Mm. And then we discover... She has an issue to do with money. She's a little bit of a spendthrift. But actually, when the chips are down, who are you going to depend on? Is it Tom or mm-hmm. Natasha? It's utterly Natasha. Natasha's going to have your back. And, you know, this is her ex's fiance. Because mm. she had every reason to go, oh, you know what, Tom, I can't touch this with the barge pole. You You are being massively inconsiderate, but your relationship with Kirsty is just beyond my pay grade, but she rolled up her sleeves, you know? Mm. So I just think, you know, I I love me some Natasha. I hope it's not a woman's job to be the making of a man, but I think that's where they're going to go with this because Tom Mm. is so lacking in so many different facets that um, I suppose that it's that yin and yang thing, isn't it? That um, Mm. he is financially stable and prudent She isn't, but then she gives him uh, empathy and responsibility, etc. And together, you know, I suppose there'll be a a decent couple.
2: Yes, I just can't wait to see how the story progresses and how the character of Natasha develops even more. And I, I hope there is more of this strength and, and grit that i that i've seen over the last few weeks that m- makes her a, a character in her own right
1: not just tom's wife. Mm. No absolutely and when she came back on mike i was like oh i've missed her. Considering yeah. she's still a relatively new character i thought i've missed natasha which is always always a good sign in terms of characters. I tell you who i have missed it's with a spoon. Yeah.
7: Hey, baby, I hear
0: the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy.
8: Uh. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angatagas here. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, the game in which one of the quarterbacks is five years or so older than our late 30-something jazzer. This week, Chazor acted about 20 years younger than his actual age, and that's an example of why I and others are in the camp of just saying no to Trazer. Now, what the future for them, the scriptwriters, have in mind, I don't know. This may have marked the end of the story of two ships passing in a sea of COVID, or it may just be another stop in the road previously traversed by many mismatched couples. We shall see. Speaking of COVID... We did have a bit of real-life brush-up against the village of Brigadoon. Oh, I mean Ambridge. Oliver is struggling to keep Grey Gables open, and I found his worries to be very authentic. It could be because my husband, Alan, is also struggling to keep his club open during these tough times. Tracy standing by Oliver, emotionally supporting him, and trying to find ways to help the business reminded me of how Allen staff is also attempting to assist him. So I, for one, am in favor of Ambridge dealing with the pandemic more directly in the upcoming months. One last thought. This one, a warning to Susan. Loose lips sink ships, or in this case, a village. It's possible she will wreak such havoc that her friends will not forgive her so easily this time. Talk to you soon.
2: Oh Witherspoon, yes, absolutely brilliant. Love all those points. The uh, Jazzer and Tracy split. So Will is instead of Trazer, is it traz It sort of Brexit. I I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the impact on Grey Gables. Yeah, I mean, I'm so sorry as well to hear uh, about Witherspoon's husband um, Alan and his club. It's just awful times. And for me, this is where the script kind of failed a bit because they're sort of they're in COVID times, but they're not. So. I would imagine that if Grey Gables was fully in the COVID times, they would be able to apply for certain grants and allowances and support. But because they're only mildly experiencing all the, the horribleness that's going on with this pandemic, they're not able to to draw on that to help sustain the business. So I don't know, it just didn't quite ring true this oh how many people are are booking for valentine's day nobody everyone needs to stay away with that antibacterial spray but equally they need to support the business so um you know i understand that's where these businesses really need help and support anyway um and yeah i love the phrase loose lips sink ships Uh, absolutely spot on what is going to be the headline in the newspaper next week? That's what I need to know, you know, with with them saying, with Neil saying, uh, we're all victims in this, aren't we? It, it, oh, I just dread to think where, where it's going to end. In fact, there was um, a TV series recently, just last year, one with Dawn French in called um, The Trouble with Ma- Maggie Cole, where she had a bit too much to drink started talking about the community where she lived to a journalist and it all took off from there. And I can just imagine this happening for Neil and Susan as well. Neil could lose his job because he's talked about the work that was done there. He could lose his role on the parish council. I mean, you know, how extreme will it Will it end up being? I don't know. Royfield, what do you think? How much trouble will Susan and Neil be in?
1: Um a lot mm-hmm. now, thinking about this, Neil he, Neil does not have loose lips. Neil um, is very guarded generally so if so at the pair of them, if any of them was not going to speak, it would have actually been Neil. You know, mm-hmm. my position as uh, on the parish council. I, co- I couldn't possibly say and whatever and blah, 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 blah. Right. Obviously, it was a moment of, of weakness and everybody's self-flagellating regarding their, um, their role in facilitating this heinous practice. Susan has just gone and uh, embarked on a media career. She's been on Radio Borsuch mm-hmm. and by all accounts, at least at the start of the pandemic, she was a bit of a hit. So much so they put her you know, in the afternoon drive time slot, didn't they?
2: Well, can I just say one thing, though? She -hmm. was put on the drive time slot at the point in our lives when nobody was allowed to drive.
1: (laughs) Fair (laughs) dues. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a very obvious observation. Now you've made it. But still. And then she talked about uh, her media bonafide days. You'd think she'd see this coming a mile off. Yes, if anybody's going to gossip to somebody new, it's Susan Carter. But we're led to believe that she's become um, a media sophisticate. <laughs> I just think, mm, you know, I, I slightly think it's lazy writing, if I'm being honest with you, lazy plotting, not the writing, the plotting that it's Susan Carter who's going to be uh, the weak link in the village who's going to tell you know, somebody from the press all about the goings on and whatever. So she can put this story together.
2: I enjoyed, as I say, the, the scene when um, the journalist Rebecca and, and Susan met and you could just hear Susan sort of preening herself and handing out copies of her CV for the for the journalist to have. I hope it doesn't hurt Neil because, oh, he's he's a good guy and he's just trying to do his best, but... I I fear it will Um, and Mm. uh, but I just I just want to know what that headline is and if the BBC could just reveal this weekend the the snippet of the headline oh it would be wonderful.
1: Uh, So Trazza. Yes or Trazit
2: now as it is Mm. if they're separating.
1: So you're you're happy about that are you?
2: Oh I'm thrilled i'm I'm sorry I'm with Witherspoon I love them both but I want them to be separate because uh, otherwise we've only got the scenes when they're together whereas I like them both individually I like Jazza living in in the house all all the guys together that very unique combination and the spider I think that's great love Tracy and we want to hear more of her cap uh, as captain of the cricket team and all of that um uh, it's a shame that they split up. I don't want anyone to be upset about anything, but yes, I, I'm I'm voting for Trazid.
1: Uh, Carolyn Wright, who we did hear earlier on in the podcast, was on the uh, Facebook, the Book of Face. She actually's got an early copy of the Borchester Echo, and uh, she photocopied it. I believe <gasps> is what she's done and what? posted it to uh, the Facebook page. How did Borch- I not see this? Borchester Echo. Cost one pound, don't you know? Uh, special edition, slavery scandal in Sleepy Ambridge. Not the snappiest of headlines, right. but it does what it says on the tin. Right. Slavery scandal in Sleepy Ambridge, village post reveals all. Gangmaster Philip Moss and his slaves carried out building work all over Sleepy Borsuch village. Philip was liked by everyone. It was such a shock. Yes. So um, if you if you haven't got your copy of the Borsuch Tureco, log on to the Dumpty Dum Facebook group and uh, the front page is there. From Carolyn Wright, I didn't know that Borchester Echo. You could actually get it in Anglesey. Did you? This,
2: this is amazing. Yes, I don't <laughs> know how I missed that. I need to get <laughs> because in in my mind, there's going to be sort of a photo of Neil's workplace with with the headline "We're all victims" or I don't know something. Mm, it's yes. oh gosh, it's going to it's going to go horrib- horribly wrong. But I want to hear about it.
1: And then just whilst whilst we're at it, because I did say this on on the Twitters. Gray Gables running into problems. Brummy businessman. Bruff Brummy businessman descends on the village. Oh, Vince Casey. Oh, doesn't that sound a little bit like Jack Woolley? You know, yes. it, for me, it was interesting that Oliver says, you know, this is Caroline's business and it's her legacy. It's Jack Woolley's legacy. He bought it in the what in the 70s and ran yeah. it for twenty nine on thirty years. And yes. Carolyn was um, his uh, his manager, etc. But she didn't have it for that long. It's uh, fundamentally Jack Woolley's business, so I just think Vince Case is the new Jack Woolley. Said it on Twitter, calling it right here and so now. So, do you think he Oliver is going to sell it? Well, no. It would it would make it would make sense for the character of Vince if he's going to be in this thing just a little bit more he needs to he's a businessman so he will need to have a business holding in the village to keep him around for us the listeners
2: and you of know. course then he would move the wedding from david and ruth to gray gables which would ah. uh, yes be another interesting ah. thing to hear
1: but <laughs> anyway anyway we've got one more caller in a uh, folks it's our cheryl
9: Hi Roy Fields and others, it's Cheryl here calling from my walk again uh, in the very non-snowy Cornwall. Uh, lots to think about in the arches this week, but I wanted to particularly focus on that recording from Peggy to Tony. The one in which she said, didn't want you, didn't like the look of you, you're really difficult and very disappointing as an adult. Obviously on the surface that seems like an incredibly hurtful thing to have said, but it got me wondering, really, about where that has come from. We know that Peggy's been in reflective mode recently. She's shown that in her conversation with Alice. And she's obviously been thinking about her marriage and how difficult that was. And it made me wonder about how difficult things were when Tony was conceived and how willing she might have been in all of that. You know, just how bad was her marriage at that point and how much has it tainted her relationship with her son. Because I think there's far more going on here than just that he's a boy and you prefer to girls. And that Tony was difficult as a child, maybe more reflective of the state of her marriage and how she was feeling than it was about Tony himself.
2: Oh, Cheryl, that's absolutely brilliant. Yes. I enjoyed hearing that because it you've made me think more about the scene that I heard that there's far more perhaps going on with what happened when Tony was a child um and yes you're right it told us more about Peggy than than Tony I certainly don't think Hallmark are going to be appointing Peggy head of uh greetings from the the thing that she delivered (laughs) that was that was not good um so yes it has made me think about Tony, and as I said earlier, I've always thought of him as just insipid, Mr. Beige, but that message just lifted the lid on on potentially a whole backstory, so yeah.
1: Now, real skills, Phil, yes. um, do we have any emails or do you have any raps uh, which you, which you <laughs> penned circa maybe like the early 90s that you'd like to uh, hit us with? Well, um, uh, my
2: son did say when I read this to him last night, you are going to have to work on that, aren't you? But I have penned a rap about the Archers, and it's oh the most God, excruciating. No, this, is, but it's awful. I, I'm not even trying to do to do good with this. It's just embarrassing and awful. And and I feel though, if I'm embarrassing my children, then then I'm doing a good job. I do feel that's my role. And certainly, when I read this out last night, I seem to have succeeded quite well with that. So yes. Yeah
1: uh you d- did you should i beat box i feel this is going to be really quite <laughs> retro so <laughs> well
6: the, before <laughs> i
2: get started the chorus was going to be although i'm not going to do the chorus but mm-hmm. the chorus was can we farm it yes we can can we you know the can we dig it Yes, we. Go. Anyway, that is going a bit retro, but never mind. Okay, are you ready for this? V- prepare yourself
1: for I the like worst. The fact thing. That you had to tell me where the can we farm? <laughs> where that actually came from?
2: <laughs> well, there was just silence. So I was thinking, oh, you're, no. you're just like shock when what? I said,
1: "Are you going to wrap something?" I didn't know you actually were.
2: <laughs> no, <but> this is <laughs> hopefully, you know, none of this will actually go on the podcast, and you'll just delete it all. But hey, hey here we go. Okay.
1: I want this to be excruciatingly bad, and it, <laughs> it will is. make the podcast, trust me. <laughs>
2: okay, well, then people will be hearing it, because it is, it is terrible. There we go. It's quite short, only, only two verses, so here we go. My name is Philippa, and it's time to get real. I love The Archers, even Pigman Neil. I've listened so long, ever since I was young, and I'm living the dream, co-hosting Dum d Dum. These four episodes a week make me shout and laugh. It's my life's ambition to get all their autographs. It's not just the drama. It's the dumpty-dum community. I've even learnt the difference between monologue and soliloquy.
1: Hey, that wasn't <laughs> bad. That wasn't, yeah. So I take it that was in the place of the fact that we've got no emails with an H.
2: Yes. So please, in future, can people send an email in or else it's going to be more of this utter trash. So please, I beg you, email in.
1: Folks, that was Brill Skills. Bill,
2: <laughs> I'm releasing new, an album tomorrow. You DJ
1: Royski B on the wheels of steel.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Burroughs
0: Furniture is built for the way you live.
3: This is Sandra with the social media roundup for the week beginning Monday, the first of February. It's cold and breezy here in Waterlooville at the moment, and Honeycat certainly doesn't like the wind up her fur. It was a good week in Ambridge, with many storylines still linking to the Mosses and modern slavery. Thursday's episode was a particularly good one, with listeners rolling their eyes at Neil and Susan talking to Rebecca, the Echo reporter. It sounds like many of us were shouting, don't do it, at the radio. One listener thought that even Neil and Susan couldn't be so stupid as to feel for Rebecca's disappointment over not getting her story. Susan was described as easily flattered and as gullible and Rebecca had hit the right note with her. Most remembered Susan's role as the village gossip, but there was surprise at Neil being talked into the interview when he had already laid out the reasons why he shouldn't participate. It was thought that his comment that we're all victims was a mistake. One person thought that would be the headline of the story, quite likely. At least Linda saw through Rebecca's attempts at turning the interview around to the mosses. Listeners were mostly cheering Linda along there. One member in another group is convinced that refusing the interview will come back to bite Linda as it's unwise to send a reporter away, especially after telling her that she's lied. I'm not so sure about that. Many listeners believe that Neil could be in hot water when the story is finally published. I therefore asked Dumpty Dummers who they thought would make a good replacement chair of the parish council, assuming that Neil will have to step down. Unsurprisingly, Jackie Weaver came first. After that, Tracy was the most popular choice, my choice too. The Tracy and Jazza romance was another subject of discussion. Some wondered if Tracy really wanted another child, Jazza being seen as the child. There was some discussion around the financial problems at Grey Gables, with some people believing that Tracy's attempts at finding ways to save expenditure were ridiculous. I'm not sure that suggestions appointing Tracy as manager of Grey Gables were actually serious. Poor Tony. It's a big birthday and everyone else seems to be more interested in it than him. There was no support for Peggy's contribution, more or less telling him that he was unwanted. Someone did wonder how a baby could be described as aimless. The general hope is that Natasha can somehow edit Peggy's comments. Sadly, the story brought up memories from some listeners. I'm afraid that I did laugh out loud when Tom first put his foot down with Natasha because it sounded so ridiculous. It seems to have brought back bad memories for um, some listeners, unsurprisingly. People did love Natasha's line. This isn't the 19th century. A lot of listeners backed Tom's actions in speaking to Harrison, but possibly not the way that he went about it. I asked if Dumpty Dummers agreed with his actions, and the majority said no, although that mostly related to the patronising way that he spoke to Natasha. However, Kirsty did need to see the reality of the situation, so that was seen as a good outcome. Listeners did seem to understand that a conversation with a police officer is never off the record. Well, that's me done for now. See you next month. Bye. Sandra,
1: Sandra, thank you for that, my dear. Oh, we are closing in on the end game. Mm. Talking about end game. It's your time to shine, my dear. Um, Hit us with whatever you're going to hit us with now, (laughs) because I've got things I need to do the rest of my day. Anyway,
2: hey, guess what? It's guess the newspaper and the newspaper title today.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, let's go for it.
2: So do you want the three possible newspaper choices?
1: Yes, please.
2: Okay, in alphabetical order, Mm -hmm. you have The Express, The Guardian... And the Times.
1: I'm feeling lucky this week.
2: <laughs> Go on, let's see. So, headline number one: Spotify spoils the Archer's party with rival soap opera. Are
1: you going express. to express boring? That's Express.
2: It's the Times.
1: Oh God! All you right. got
2: first one wrong. Can you get the next one
1: right? All right? Okay.
2: For how long will June Spencer continue as Peggy? Express. Yes. Boom. Yes! Well done. There you go. And then finally, guardian. a peculiarly <laughs> the weird genius of the archers.
1: Can I, can I just say the guardian again, please?
2: No, no, it wasn't the guardian. Oh, it was, okay. uh, I can't, oh, I can't pronounce do- it. The gag No, it was the Guardian. Yes, you're right.
1: The groniad. Folks, uh Dumtodum.com, go there. It's got stuff on there, stuff on there, galore. You can go buy stuff from our shop, or you can um Listen to past episodes, or you can join Tractor. Tractor is our social media network for fans of the Archers. If you're in some far-flung bit of the of the of the world, whether it is Alaska, whether it's North Carolina, here you go, Audrey There are three dumdy dummers that live in North Carolina. This is this is your platform for you to be able to go onto uh, the big map of the world and click on a pin close to where you live where you are and you can send that person a message and depending on what the covid rules are maybe you can have a socially distance walk with them maybe a socially distance coffee or maybe you can just communicate via via the app that is Tractor. we keep this podcast going by having a facility called patreon patreon is the platform whereby if you give us two dollars per show we keep producing this podcast if you would like to be a patreon of this show why don't you uh to patreon.com give us two dollars per show and you'll get your name up in lights i think the next episode we're going to read out all of our newer patreons remember to get in contact you can send
2: us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message or send a text message starting with
1: DUM in capitals to 07786 200 690. We started off on Twitter. You can find us where we're at dum dum and the team have been doing a most awesome job uh don't forget folks if you are going to uh write a message about the archers and why wouldn't you um it's hashtag the archers with a capital t and a capital a so uh people who visit impaired it makes sense for them how can people find you on twitter
2: or they can find me at
1: quickbookreviews
2: reviews but instead of a w it's a three because i'm just a bit socially awkward like that Thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy
1: V Freeman. And, of course, we are on. And, of course, folks, you can find uh, Dumby Dumb where we are on Facebook. Quite simply, if you like a bit of Facebook, type in Dumby Dump onto Facebook and join the party there. Big up to the Flick app, Parsi. Um, if you don't know what Flick app is, it's the companion that all good dumdy dummers should have on their phone. Quite simply, go to the uh, Apple Store or the Google Play Store, type in Flick app. It will talk about sports. Don't worry about that. Download it, and then you type in DumDy dum, and then you'll find us. We're still doing the old DumDy mums thing, but if you'd like to be part of the film club, that is the place to go. Now, Philip Hall, I believe we should end this episode with um, a rap classic. A bit of hip hop from hip hop's golden age. Hip hop or rap's heyday was you know the early to mid nineties when you had Tupac and Biggie Smalls. But your flow was decidedly more Sugar Hill Gang, wasn't it? It was kind of like it really <laughs> was early
2: outdated. Ending. Outdated, I think, is well, what you're trying to politely quaint, say. Quaint, and I it agree. Was no,
1: it was, it was awful. It was quaint. <laughs> no, 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 no. You had a certain skill in in rhyming, and also. <laughs> Uh your rhythmical pattern changed as well, which showed a certain dexterity of, Yeah, that, of was, flow. that was
2: deliberate. That was
1: completely uh, deliberate. No, no, no. Yeah. Listen, it was cohesive. <laughs> and quaint. Right. <laughs> With that in mind, I leave it up to you to tell us what piece of classic hip hop we're gonna play out. To.
2: It's gotta be a salt and pepper.
1: Oh Jesus, really. <laughs> yes! It's got to Is be Is that what you're pushing? Are you going to really good
2: no it's not that one no um, oh, okay. it's your thing what about that one it's your thing hey what you gonna do it i can tell you yes what about that one
1: all right then. hi everybody seems <laughs> to me like the dummy dumbs ended with a little bit of a whimper started with a bang <laughs> right but F- philippa did not bring it home <laughs> good heavens
2: I'm going now. I need oh,
1: <laughs> I need oh, help. It's a lot of bit.
6: it. Yeah. Oh, you looking sweet baby. Yes indeed. Funky down. We was born to dance or shake
7: it. I with a go-go swing, everyone was watching. They stared in shot. shot. amazed at how Thornton Pepper was rocked. the place with a smile on our face. Some got upset and did try to bait. Called us nasty, said we dance dirty. Clean, we were cheap, even flirty. Pepper got picked and pulled out of the pump. I was all set not to jump, but to jump. Spin broke it up and asked not to break. Said they don't understand the, the way you, you know.